you've got 76.6 years. One out of one people die. And that clock never, ever, ever, ever stops. Think of that. You do the math. Two things in all of, all of what we see in this world. The word of God that lives and endures forever. And the souls of mankind last. Nothing else lasts. When you think about Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, I think we've got some work to do. We have some laboring that needs to be done for the gospel, extending the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Um, Welcome to Big Woods Bible Church. On that note, uh, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. We've been involved in a series, what I refer to as the nine, where we are examining individually every single one of the fruits of the Spirit. The danger is this, okay? We have looked at the subject of love, check, joy, check, peace, check. And and we have this tendency to just kind of go through and say, all right, what's next on the list? I have not kicked any puppies today on my way to church. I did not run over any peacocks that were driving or walking very slowly in front of me today when I was driving to, to, I was, I was, Wendy reminded me, you are a kind man preaching on kindness. We have the tendency to just kind of check them off and go on to the next one. I I would really encourage you, although we're in the middle of the series, we've got a, a long list ahead of us, pause on this one. Okay, kindness is what I refer to a key connection to the gospel. Everything that we do points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm asking that you heed and hear the Holy Spirit's leading as we learn this morning from his word. Let's bow our heads and ask for God's direction and blessing as we learn. Father, we thank you for every person that is here. I thank you, Lord, for this time that you have set apart for us in your sovereign plan for us to hear these words. Lord, please guard my mouth, guide my lips so that everything that is spoken would be for your glory. Father, help us, Lord, to listen to your spirit as you examine our hearts through this word. Lord, we live in a cruel and a harsh world. And we're called to, to be different. We're called, Lord, to talk in a unique way, to walk a different direction that the world is walking. And God, we need your help. I pray, Lord, for this community. I thank you for the outreach opportunities. I just pray, Lord, for next weekend as we celebrate your faithfulness over the past 30 years. We are, we are amazingly blessed by your grace. I pray, Lord, that every, every part, everything that we do, every program, every ministry, Lord, is for your glory, that, that we would be removed from being the focus of anything. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would guide us now as we learn. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week we examined um, patience, the, the subject of being long-suffering. It can be a difficult fruit to display. I trust you had a homework assignment. I, I did not forget that. I trust that you took some time over the past week, past seven days, to sit with those closest to you 
and say, how am I doing? How do you feel? What is it that you feel? The Holy Spirit needs to be doing more so that I am more long-suffering. I trust you had worthy conversations with those that are closest to you. We, we move on today, and we kind of build on this idea of what it means to be, to be patient or what it means to be long-suffering, and it's intimately connected with this idea that we have today in front of us. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Kindness, it comes from the Greek word kratoitis. It refers to a kindness that pervades and penetrates the whole nature, which is all of our being. One of the best definitions I read of kindness is this, a tender concern for others. Wow, we, we are... I am innately selfish. And, and, and this automatically, this fruit of the Spirit, takes the focus off of ourselves. Kindness is a tender concern for others that is reflected in a desire to treat others gently. Which brings us to the way many translations, actually, and perhaps even in front of you and your lap this morning, translates this. I know the old King James Version uses the word gentleness in place of kindness. This is a gentleness that literally washes away everything that is harsh about us. And there is a lot of harshness in and of ourselves. It is a gentleness and a kindness that washes away everything that is, that, that, is, that is strict and stringent and severe. Barnes described this word like this. It is opposed to harsh, crabby, crooked temper. Think of that. There are actually elements, although you are cool and kind at times, there are crabby elements that exist inside of us. What I want to remind you of this morning is that it is not a stretch at all. We focus. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We focus on Christ. It is not a stretch to see and to learn this morning that Jesus Christ was the single most kind and most gentle person that has ever lived on the face of this earth. Think of that for a moment. Now please, what happens, I think particularly us as men, we hear this term gentleness, or we hear this term kindness, and all of a sudden we're kind of thinking like weak, soft hands, a wimpy handshake, a lot of sweater vest action going on, uh, blown dry hair, okay, pastel colors. That's not really what we're talking about here. Jesus Christ, the most gentle, the most kind, and if you remember, he literally tore into the temple and he whipped the money changers and he turned tables upside down. Why? To protect the purity and the purpose of the temple. We know that Jesus Christ showed incredible strength and resilience in continuing to, to, to corral those 12 disciples. Strength in that. And yet at the same time, there was a gentleness that, what, children were drawn to him constantly, continually. The sick and the weak felt welcomed by Jesus. We know that Jesus Christ submitted ultimately to his Father's will and was sacrificed for our sin. He laid down his life 
for us so that our sins could be forgiven. So that you and I can have life today. That is what? That is what we call good news. That is what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the one that you and I are called to emulate. To follow his example. We are challenged to be like him. Which brings us to our first point this morning. Kindness from God is evidenced through the gospel. Point number one. Kindness from God is evidenced through the gospel. The entire essence of the gospel is surrounded around what? God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love to us that we simply do not deserve. Package it any way you want it. And we are recipients of His grace and His kindness and His gentleness, and we simply do not deserve that. We go all the way back. You can trace and track the history when Adam and Eve chose to break that close, intimate relationship that they had with God in the Garden of Eden because of their disobedience and because of sin. What occurred? There was consequence to sin. We talked about that today. The truth is what? It's not pleasant. Adam and Eve first and foremost felt shame for the very first time. Shame and nakedness covering themselves up because of their sinfulness. Consequences of sin, they were banished from the garden. They toiled through work and the harshness from that moment, forever battling the thorns and the thistles. There was pain in childbirth. Consequences of sin, and yet far greater than any of those consequences is what? Is a separation. A separation between and from a holy God and sinful man. God saw us. God moved us. I may need a mic. God saw us. God moved toward us. What do you call that? What do you call when someone does something for us that we simply do not deserve? What do you call that? Kindness. God rescued us. God saw us. God moved have been rescued before. You know who I think of as I think of David, who on more than one occasion was rescued, okay, literally from the hands of those who wanted him dead. Psalm 18, it is recorded, it says this, on the very day that David was rescued, it says, he wrote, you have given me the shield of your salvation, and by your right hand you have supported me, and by your gentleness it has made me great. So David recognizes in being rescued by God, there's an element of gentleness from God. I think of, again, emulating the Lord Jesus Christ. It says when when Jesus, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14, when he came to shore, he was on a boat, he comes close to the shore in the Sea of Galilee, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. I find that you and I move through life. I know I move through life oftentimes, and I see many around me, and and oftentimes they're just driving too slow for me. 
They're taking too long to, to, to walk across. And, and, and I have to, every single day, keep the lack of kindness that exists in my own heart and in my life in check. I love the way it says that in Ephesians chapter 2, I was actually reading this in my quiet time this week. And, and you know how you just get struck, like literally just struck by, by a verse or two from Scripture. The Holy Spirit reminds us of who you are and who He is. You can't help but see his kindness. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, Remember, you were at that time separated from God. You were alienated. You were strangers. You have no hope. And you're without God. Think of how depressing that is. Think of how far and how much trouble we're in. But look what it says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I don't know about you, but it is a delight to know that you and I in everyday life, splashing around, gasping at times for breath in the deep end, far beyond our control, that God reaches in and he rescues us. One of the most well-known verses in all of Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What do we have as a result of that? We have hope today. We have joy today. We have peace today. We see it all over the place. Kindness from God is evidenced through the gospel. Now we have to pause on this second one for quite a while because this is where the work comes in. This is the laboring on Labor Day weekend. Number two, kindness toward others is expected because of the gospel. Kindness toward others is expected because of the gospel. Now, there's a term, theological term, we refer to. It's called the incarnation. For many, it's a big term, and we kind of have an idea about it. But basically, very simply, it means God becomes man, and yet he remains God. Wrap your mind around that. The incarnation, it says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So literally, God in all of his kindness, in all of his grace and mercy and love, left what? The glory and the splendor and the wonder of heaven. And what did he do? He came to earth lowly as a baby. John 1 continues on, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ, who is God, came to earth as a baby and he grew. And what did he do? He reflected, he displayed his Father's grace, his Father's mercy, his Father's kindness. And now you and I, who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, I trust this morning, are to do exactly the same. Now, did you realize, by way of the transition in history, before the time that Jesus Christ came into this world, there were very few, if any, institutions of mercy. Do you know what an institution of mercy is? It's a hospital. Before the time that Jesus came, there's very few specific places that were reserved for people to go to be cared for who were sick. 
or who were dying. There were very few, if any, nursing homes to tend to the needs of the elderly. There were no orphanages for children who had no one to love them. There were no mental health institutions for the trouble and for those who had been afflicted. There was no such thing as, as a homeless shelter. as a place that someone can go to receive a warm meal and a bed. There were no drop-in centers for the lost and for the lonely. There's no soup kitchens to provide a meal for someone. There's no pregnancy care programs to assist women whose families had abandoned them. There were very few, if any, places for someone to seek refuge if they've been refused by others. There are very few places that someone can go in the midst of the storm and they could be safe from that. Pause with me for a moment and think about the ancient world, first century, Middle Eastern, Roman Empire, the one that Jesus Christ was born into. Do you realize that if a child was born and they were sickly, if a child was born disabled, special needs in any capacity, a child, a baby, was simply discarded. Oftentimes they were taken and they were thrown off of the walls of the city into burning trash heaps and discarded human beings as refuge. Do do you realize that? But Christ came, God incarnate, and everything changed. He displayed this fruit of the Spirit that we call kindness, and when He ascended into heaven, what? The Holy Spirit descended and gives you and I the ability to be kind. Do you realize what happens? Do you realize when babies were thrown off of that edge? It was Christians. It was followers of Christ who went to those places and would seek ones who are still alive and would take them and would nurse them and love them and care for them. It was Christians who did that. Followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand this. This is who we are. Wherever true Christianity has gone, followers of Christ have demonstrated acts of kindness and gentleness, literally from the first century to the 21st century. I appreciated Cameron's testimony this morning of a young boy simply wandering homeless, as there are literally millions upon millions of them. Think of the ones we minister in Cruz Blanca. We praise God for those of you who have been moved either to go or to give so that someone there finds that little boy and brings them in. That's what we're talking about. You realize that there perhaps may not be homeless children that are wandering around Lock Haven today, but there are many people, there are many people who are desperate and starving for someone to love them, someone to invest into their lives, someone to care for them, someone to listen to them. They're all over the place. Enter what? Us. And yet not only have we this clear commissioning and commanding, but we have the empowering and the work and the promise the Holy Spirit will give us the ability to do this and to do this well. So how, how personally, you, right now, in your own heart, how are you doing 
in this area of life. If someone were to describe you, yeah, that, and put the name there, that person they are, would you be described as a kind and a gentle person? Would you be described as one whose words and actions literally are controlled by the Holy Spirit's? Now, perhaps if you saw a child that was homeless or hungry, you would stop and pause and feed them. But let me ask you this. In addition to that, how are you doing when it comes to those that you see and spend time with every single day? You know, there's a difference there. Dads, husbands. Husbands, are you gentle in the conversations that you have with your wife? Are you kind? Dads, how about with your own children? When you're tired or exhausted or frustrated, are you known as a father who is led and controlled by the Spirit of God and are known as a kind father? Moms, how about you to your children? How about big brothers to their little sisters? Is there an element that says, yes, that is a kind person? Are you this morning kind to the irritating relative that just doesn't seem to go away? Are you kind to the impatient employer? Are you kind to the immature believer? You think they should be further along by now. I can't believe they're still behaving like that. I grew up in a home where my parents... We're not at all reserved or shy about the fact that they wanted to raise us as children, particularly my, my, my older brother and I, to be raised as gentlemen. Not just gentlemen in, in the one sense, but gentle men. Which means what? It's the little things in life, guys. It really is. It's the little things in life that says what? You, you don't interrupt adults when they're speaking. It's the little things in life that says, no, no, you wait to speak. It's the little things in life that says you respect those that are older than you. You don't correct your elders in public. You respect girls. You open doors for them. Oh, I had a lesson on this one time years ago. My mom took my brother and I school shopping about this time of the year. And literally drove into the parking lot in the mall and we get out and, and, and walked in and, and as we're walking in the mall, we, my brother and I look at one another and we notice, well, where'd mom go? She was just here a second ago. She's nowhere around. How did we lose her that quick? And so we literally, we, we turned around, we went back out the long hallway and then we get to the end. Mom is standing outside in the rain. What are you doing, mom? Well, both of my sons, my own sons, just walked in and left the door to close right in front of me. She was waiting. Many people were just walking right by, but she was waiting for us to recognize that, to go all the way back to open the door. Why? Because that's your mother. That's a woman. And you respect her. One particular time, very, very clearly, I recall, we had company in our home sharing about our ministry. And my mom made the reference that we had 16 horses 
in our barn, which we had a lot at camp. And I remember in that setting, in our own living room, I said, no, Mom, actually there's 17. I know that my mom had not been down on the barn in years. Mom, there's actually 17 horses. And I looked at my dad who picked up on my eyes across from the room, did not say a word until the company left. And he said, son, I need to speak with you. If your mama says that there is 100 purple horses in that barn, you never correct her in public. Some of you perhaps may disagree with that philosophy. I'm sorry. It's respectful. It's kind. It's gentle. It's really the simple behavior. Those little bits and pieces of courtesy that so lack in this cold and this cruel world. I know that some people say, well, I'm just, you know what? I can be blunt with people, and I hear this all the time. It's just my personality. No, it's not. It's just your flesh. You're literally admitting and confessing the Holy Spirit is not in control of your life. You are not surrendering and submitting to His authority. You're letting your flesh just roar. There is no excuse for rudeness, particularly when it comes to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how are you doing in this area, even when it comes to the little things? People say, well, what's the big deal here? Why, what, why does it matter? Why is this so important? If you recall, in ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only time that he was ever harsh with, with people were to who? To the hypocritical leaders who thought that they were more spiritual than others. That's when he called them out. That's when he was, he was tough. There is no doubt, now as we examine ministry from this day forward, from this moment forward, 76.6 years at best, one out of one people die, clock doesn't stop, you know your work. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is sovereign over all. God knows those who are elect. But what? That does not change our job description. It does not negate our responsibility or what? Or the Holy Spirit would not what give us the ability to be kind. Why is this so important? I was reading an old book. Uh, it's called The Holy Spirit by Billy Graham. He says this, Many sinners on the verge of repentance have been disillusioned by the pharisaical and coldly rigid Christianity that hangs on legalistic religious codes minus the quality of compassion. Some of you may disagree with bits and pieces of Billy Graham, but I tell you what, right here, he is bang on. Do you, do you realize, think about what he is saying there. Let's personalize it. Some of you and myself have thwarted the work of God's in people's lives because of a lack of kindness toward them. Sadly, I have, I have witnessed, I, I have cringed when we see what? Baby believers. They're infants. They're still growing. I have witnessed with my own eyes unbelievers. People who are completely lost. They don't know the Lord's. And they are criticized and they are attacked by the so-called religious mature 
followers of Christ. Why? Because that, that young one didn't measure up to their own expectations of spirituality. Realize how damaging that is? You realize how, how widespread that is? You realize it doesn't stop there? Worse yet, what happens? Society has confirmed this, what the Word of God teaches. It's tragic to hear, but it's true. The abused grow up to become the abuser. That's the truth. So do you realize this? A lack of kindness in your heart means what? A lack of kindness in your daughter's heart. A lack of kindness in your heart means that your son is not going to be a kind person. This is, this is, this is why we speak on this subject. We need to know that. A lack of kindness in your heart, your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. Okay, he's not going to stay with you. Your actions don't just affect you. Stop thinking it's all about you when it's not. Kindness, lack of kindness in brothers and sisters in Christ erupts in and grows into a church that is not a kind church. And we understand what a key connection to the gospel. A key. There are others, but a key connection to the gospel is this idea of kindness. It is very, very evident when the Holy Spirit is in complete control. Understanding that every single one of us at some point have been maligned or lied to or hurt. Dr. Sandra Wilson wrote a great book. It's been very helpful in ministry over the years. Hurt people hurt people. It's true. But I appreciate it, and I felt so cool when I retweeted Lecrae's tweet. I've only done that once in my life. But, but he's a Christian uh, musician. I think he's a rap artist. And he said, hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. And there's great truth to that. There's great wisdom to say that you and I have been recipients of God's kindness, His gentleness, His grace, and His love. And now we take that. We don't deserve that. And we are to take that. And we are to show and to share that with others. I leave you with, I think, one of the most all-encompassing verses on this very subject from Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 32, an imperative. It's a command in Scripture. It says, be kind to one another. I love the explanation that Paul gives. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we thank you that we are recipients of your kindness. Not only are we recipients of your kindness, God, but you now enable us and empower us by your spirit to be kind to others. God, I confess that there are many moments of just harshness, of trying to move to the next page. And I lose sight of people. Father, forgive me for that. Forgive me for my unkindness.
God, I would ask that every single one of us would realize those areas that we have just fallen short in, we've failed. We thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally, that you forgive us, that you extend grace, and that you now promise to give us the ability to be as you are. May we be known. May we be known in this community, not only as a kind church, but a kind church that hugs to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. Just stand with us, please, as we close.